I want you to just take a moment and think what is the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the word prosperity? What's the first thing that came to your mind? Well, at least I know some of you were thinking of prosperity preachers and prosperity gospel and all of those things that we hear about from some preachers who focus mainly in their preaching on that subject of prosperity. I know some of you have thought about that, at least some of you, if not most of you. But here's the problem. Why would you allow, because somebody gets off on a tangent and focuses only on one aspect of the gospel, that you allow that part of the faith becomes closed up to you? Good question. Those of us who believe in the whole counsel of God, those of us who believe in the whole gospel, those of us who believe the entire Bible, know that prosperity and money are very important to God. We know that money and prosperity are not evil in themselves at all. There is not anywhere in the Bible that you can find that. The Bible mentions money 2,085 times. Obviously, it's important to God. In Psalm 37, verse 25, and in Philippians 4:19, the Bible promises, God promises that He shall supply all the needs of His faithful children. It's an important subject as far as God is concerned. And if you are slightly bit of interested in history, if you know any part of biblical history, you will discover that there are certain periods of times in history where God exceedingly blesses His people, where God supernaturally prospers His people. I'll give you an example. When God called Abraham and made a covenant with Abraham, He exceedingly prospered Abraham. Why? In order to establish the covenant with him and in order to him to be a witness to the rest of the pagan culture in which he lived. Then we see God supernaturally prospers the son of promise, Isaac. And then we see that the grandson of Abraham, Jacob, whom we're going to look at right now, God prospers him. Why? So that God may establish the people of Israel. So that 2,000 years later, the Messiah will come from the people of Israel. Every time in history, you check me out on this, when God prospers His people, it is because He wants them to use their prosperity to serve His purpose. Every time in history, look at it in the Bible. When the Israelites were leaving the land of slavery, when they were leaving Egypt, God gave them favor in the eyes of their former masters, the Egyptians. And consequently, they gave the Egyptians, gave the Israelites gold and silver and so many other things. Why did God give favor to the Israelites in the eyes of the Egyptians so they parted with their gold and parted with their silver, parted with their worldly goods? Because God wanted them to use this gold and silver to build the tabernacle. And then Israel struggled for years. And then under the leadership of King David, God supernaturally prospered Israel like never before and ever since. Why? 
so that God may build the temple, so that the temple of Solomon may be built. David alone gave $150 million worth of gold for the building of the temple. God is no longer interested in temples because now after Jesus' death and resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit, the body of the believers become the temples of God. And so what is God interested in believers to use their prosperity to do? He wants them to use their prosperity in order to give God an ultimate dwelling place. You say, where is that ultimate dwelling place? It is in the souls of men and women in this city, in this country, and around the world. Beloved, I want to tell you something. If you miss the point on why God is prospering you, you'll miss on the blessing of God for which that prosperity is intended. Today I want to give you three rules for God's prosperity program. Three rules come out of the Word of God, out of the Bible. Not my ideas, not my thoughts. Three rules. I promise you one thing about those three rules. You're not going to get them in any seminar that teaches you how to get rich quick. You will not find those rules there. You're only going to find them in the Word of God. Ready? All right. Rule number one. Do not let prosperity be your all-consuming focus, but let the glory of God be your all-consuming focus. The second rule is this. Let hard work be your all-enduring quality. Rule number three. Let your trust in God's provision, let your trust in God's prosperity program for you be your all-abiding confidence. Rule number one, do not allow prosperity to be the all-consuming focus of your life, but let the glory of God and the glory of Jesus be the thing that consumes your energy, your time, your focus, and your money. Jacob was not trying to be wealthy, and yet he became one. His focus was not on being prosperous, and yet he became prosperous. I want you to look with me, if you already have your Bibles, in Genesis 30, I want you to look at verses 25 and 26. They are really key verses. Now, while you're looking up the verses, I want somebody to tell me, how many years was it that Jacob had served already? Fourteen years. <laughs> Fourteen years he worked hard. He labored for his uncle slash father-in-law. And then, after fourteen years of faithful service, he would ask nothing for himself from Laban. He could have said to his father-in-law, Listen, Uncle Bozo, (laughs) I made you a rich man. God blessed you because of me. Even the demons whom you worship, that's what divination is. Demons are behind divination. Even the demons that you worship are telling you that God blessed you because of me. (laughs) I could have used your trust in me to enrich myself. I could have used your trust in me to steal your blind. I could have used your trust. Oh, no, 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 no. But Jacob was not a covetous man. You see, he was not coveting what belongs to his uncle Laban. I think, personally, that's a personal opinion, so worth what I give you. (laughs) 
If Jacob did something for himself on the side, I wouldn't blame him. I think he would have every right to do that. But he didn't. I'm going to show you why in a minute. He wanted to be faithful to the trust that his uncle slash father-in-law Laban put in him. He wanted to be faithful to that trust. He wanted to be a blessing to others. Knowing that when he was in Bethel and he saw this magnificent revelation of a stairwell to heaven, which is no other than the, the revelation of the coming Jesus Christ, when he saw that incredible revelation, and at the end when God spoke to him, he said, everything you place in my hand, I will give you 10%. And that was 400 years before the law said you tithe. And that is why Jacob trusted God for his prosperity, not his uncle. Jacob consciously devoted himself to God. Jacob believed that he was serving God when he was serving Laban. Now, there's no denial that this uncle of his is mean, tight-fisted, I mean a cheat, a manipulative, controlling, greedy, and godless man. There's no doubt about that. And a few other things I could say about him. (laughs) And Jacob could have justified gouging this guy. He really could have. And yet, he asked nothing for himself. He said, all I want, my wives and my children, for whom I worked for 14 years, give them to me so I can go back home, the land of promise. By not making his own prosperity to be his all-consuming focus, but work to enrich his uncle Laban, God blessed Jacob. And that is why rewarding hard work and faithfulness must is a must on the part of all employers. So employers, listen to me. <laughs> rewarding and prospering your employees, your hardworking, faithful employees, can only bless you. Those of you who are employees, hard work will prosper you sooner or later. You say, well, how do you know that? I'll tell you why. Because even if your boss is insensitive, even if your boss is blind, God is not. And He's watching you. I always used to say to my kids growing up, I think they got sick and tired of me telling them this. I always used to say to them, always work harder, for more and harder than what you think you're worth, and sooner or later, they will pay you more than what you're worth. Listen, when you do not let prosperity to be your all-consuming focus, when you let the glory of God be your all-consuming focus, God will prosper you. God will bless you. Second rule, let hard work be your enduring quality. I think if anyone had an excuse (laughs) for not working hard and goofing off, Jacob did. He really did. He had every excuse. He could have said, man, I'm going to only work for what he pays me. I'm going to give him his money's worth. He could have said, you know, Laban owes me, and he owes me big. He could have said, Laban cheated me, and I'm going to take it easy now. He could have said, whether Laban prospers or not, no skin off my nose. Why should I work hard? He could have said, God promised to take care of me, so now I'm going to sit on my blessed assurance and do nothing and let God take care of me. 
No. No. But after 14 years, Jacob tells Laban, he said, you know I worked hard for you. You know I worked hard for you. He said to him, he said, even you, an idol worshiper, dabbling in the demon worship and the divination. No. Look at verse 27. He said, from your demon worship, you know that you prospered because of me, that God blessed you because of my presence. Now, believer, I want to tell you something. Whatever company you work for, whatever area you work for, whatever factory you work, whatever school you work for, God wants to bless you and bless the organization in which you're associated because of you. Because all the eyes are on you. They're watching you to see your testimony. My friend, I want to tell you something. When you work hard, when you work diligently, when you work faithfully, you don't have to pull somebody by the lapel and say, let me tell you about Jesus. Because they're watching you. And your testimony will testify to them about your God, even if they were pagans. His pagan Laban recognized that God blessed him because of Jacob's relationship with God. Many of you know I have three older brothers. Two of them have visited here and introduced you to them. One is 19 years older than me. He went to be with the Lord. And one is a bank president, just retired, and 17 years older than me. And, and another one who is a brilliant economist. He's 11 years older than me. And the one who's 11 years older than me is as faithful a man as I've ever seen in my life. In all my experiences, in all my travels, I've never known more hard worker than this guy. He is so brilliant that he basically puts together the national budget in his country. Even though some people hate him, even though some people detest him because he wouldn't fudge any numbers, <laughs> but he is brilliant and faithful at the same time. And he often brought work home, always brought work home. Not as overtime. No, this is part of his commitment, his dedication, part of his faithfulness. And when I was a high school student, invariably I would go to him with math problem. And I would take my book and my notepad and I'd go over and say, can you help me? And he said, okay. And he will put his pencil down and he says, give me your pencil. Well, I don't have a pencil. He said, go back and get your pencil. I said, well, you got a pencil in your hand. He said, you don't understand. He picks that pencil up and he says... This is the government pencil. I can't use it for your math problem. <laughs> I'm telling you, the man was a challenge to me. <laughs> Forward the tape a little bit for a few more years. I'm here and settled in the United States of many years. I get a phone call. Can you entertain this VIP, number two in the country? Well, I knew that person was one of the people who really made life miserable for my brother because of his faith. But I did not know whether he knew that I was related to my brother or not. <laughs> so I get the call, so I hosted a, a nice dinner for him and had ex-presidents and other people, and we had a, a good time, and then I was going to the airport with him. He leans over to me, and he says, I just want you to know that I trusted your brother with my life. That very man who was persecuting him, he said, I would trust him not just with my money, but with my life. I thought, what a testimony. 
What a testimony. My brother didn't have to go out and give him the four spiritual laws. He didn't go out and pull him by his lapel. Let me tell you about Jesus. No, no, no. His life spoken volumes to this man. You see, let your hard work, let your diligence, let your faithfulness be all enduring quality. Thirdly, let your trust in God's provision be your all-abiding comfort. Jacob trusted God for his prosperity, not his uncle Laban. <laughs> and of course, back then, there were no social security program. There were no 401k, and there were no profit sharing. There were no stock options. There were none of that. But Jacob had something far greater than all of that. Do you know who? God. God was his all supplier of all his needs all of the time. And God does not repay us for our faithfulness with inflated dollars. God does not allow His money pool to dry out. Listen to me. God does not bless His faithful children based on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. God does not bless His faithful children based on the stock market. God does not bless His children based on the state of the economy even. God blesses His own because He has His own set of criteria by which He blesses His children. Laban said to Jacob, don't leave. Name your wages, anything you want. And Jacob said to him, I don't want anything. I don't want anything that I did not work for. And here's the plan. Here's the plan, very simply. He said to his uncle, take all the spotted and the striped animals with you. Leave with me all the solid-color animals. And if the solid-colored animals produce striped or spotted offspring, they're mine. That's my wages. Well, I'm telling you, Laban thought all the length of one second, and he said, yes, I got him. He thought, that son-in-law of mine is dumb. <laughs> How he can even make a plan like this? I mean, everybody knows that solid-colored animals don't produce spotted or striped animals, offsprings. Ah, listen, beloved, Laban did not know God's prospering program. <laughs> he did not know that. He's a pagan. He's an idol worshiper. He's dabbling with the demons and the divination. Well, they separated the two lots. And they were 15 miles apart. I mean, you can't get that any further than that. So what did Jacob do? Listen to me very carefully. Literally, he put himself at a disadvantaged position. He put himself at a disadvantaged position. You don't have to be a genetic expert to know that solid-colored animals will produce solid-colored offsprings. But Jacob trusted in God's provision for him. Most commentators don't even get that. Most of them stumble over that. They don't even understand it. Because Jacob trusted in God's provision, because Jacob trusted in God to prosper him, he even stacked the cards against himself. Jacob trusted in God's prosperity plan, even if the world thinks he's stupid, even the world thinks he's illogical. Jacob trusted in God's provision program to supernaturally bless him, to supernaturally provide. But I'm sure probably some of you are saying, well, what is this thing about 
cutting those branches and putting them in the water, and cut the animals are in heat. They look at them, and they produced spotted and, and striped offspring. Was Jacob superstitious? Uh, was he cheating? What's going on? Is this an old wives' tale? Well, number one, nobody has disproved that these animals could look at those things and, and produce offspring that's different. Nobody has disproved that chemically. But let me give you the bottom line, just the bottom line. And the bottom line is this. In obedience, Jacob placed those peeled branches in front of the solid-colored animals in heat, and they produced spotted and striped offspring. Question, was their power produced genetically to alter these offsprings because of the peeled branches? No. The power was Jacob's obedience. The power was in Jacob's trust in in God to be his provider. The power was in Jacob trusting in God to be his prosperer. Because this was going to be God's supernatural program for prospering his servant. Because this was going to be Jacob's reward for trusting in God's provision. And therefore, God provided him in the most unusual way. Beloved, that is why Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, said, Does not God feed the birds? Does not God close the flowers? How much more valuable you are than they to God. Therefore, do not worry about these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you because your Father in heaven knows that you have need of them. Listen very quickly as I conclude. The very grace of God that saved you from sin and the consequences of sin, the very grace of God that redeemed you from judgment, the very grace of God that convicted you of sin and led you to repentance, the very grace of God that overwhelmed your past scars, the very grace of God that supplied all of your past needs is the same grace that wants to bless you today. When you don't make prosperity to be your all-consuming focus, but the gospel and the glory of God, when you let hard work be your all-enduring quality, when you let your trust in God's provision become your all-abiding confidence, God's timing is always perfect. It taken 20 years from the time in Bethel to the time We read in the last verse of chapter 30 in the book of Genesis that God prospered Jacob greatly. It took 20 years, but God kept His promise. God always keeps His promise. It may take a whole lot longer than you wanted or I wanted, but God always, always, always keeps His promises. And the question is, do you meet the conditions and do you persevere in prayer? Or do you quit too soon? There may be somebody here today who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal Savior and Lord, and been prospered of God, been blessed of God, and you wonder why your life been seemed to be humming along. And do you know why? This is God's way of saying to you, "I love you. I love you. This is my message of love for you to come to me, because I want you to come." 
and receive forgiveness of your sins. I want you to come and receive the gift of eternal life. That's God's way of speaking to you. And if there's anybody here today who have never committed their life to Jesus Christ, never received Him as the Savior of their soul and the Lord of their life, this is the moment. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for everyone who's here today. There are at least 2,000 different needs, 2,000 different conditions, 2,000 different situations, but you, Lord Jesus, can deal with every one of them. You know the very secrets of our hearts. Those who have been blessed and prospered and yet focusing it all on themselves bring conviction. To those who have been blessed and they don't know why and don't know Jesus, let Jesus come into their life at this very moment. And Father, I pray that you remind us daily why you blessed us, why you prospered us, that we might serve your purpose. And Father, I pray that we, as your people in this great country, may experience such an awakening to the purpose of God for us like never before. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.